Welcome to Yella Mensa exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yella Mensa is a ministry of Isibombano Center for Biblical Justice. I am your host, David Kluter, and with me is John Skippers. As always, drum roll, John, do your thing. Hey, everybody. I'm not sure what my thing is, but good to see, good to uh, hear you. Come on, man. Speak you, to you. You know the thing that we do, the thing. Yeah, I don't know. There's I don't no know. Like... Lockdown, lockdown's affecting you, man. I don't know what thing we got. Do I rap? Yeah. I don't know. You want me to rap? I can rap. Yeah, you can. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. People will never speak to me again. <laughs> okay, pass. Pass on that. Pass we'll on pass, pass on that, yeah. Uh, everyone, today with us, we have Heidi Siegel with us. She's from Outliers to talk about issues surrounding education during the lockdown. Uh, the potential phase uh, reopening of schools in South Africa as well as uh, the long-term structural inequalities in education and the role which the church could play in addressing some of these issues. So we've got a lot on our plate today, guys. Uh, but I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just excited to have someone in the room who's actually, who knows the field, mm -hmm. uh, who's been working in the field. Uh, so Heidi, please, uh, welcome to Yellow Mensa. Yeah, Thank you. welcome, Heidi. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, so won't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the work uh, of Outliers? Okay, let's start with me. I um, went to school in retreat, Square Hill Primary. Um, and I think it's important to mention that at the outset, it's a little school in a colored suburb uh, where the school fees right now is 800 Rand a year. I have then gone on to do um, a secondary school at South Peninsula High and went to UCT and got a PhD and ran a research group in microbiology and epidemiology. So oh, wow. a little bit of insight into uh, COVID-19 that. That, <laughs> that doesn't feature in this conversation for now. But, um, but based on an education that I got at a school in retreats, mm. I was able to, to access and still enjoy access to social capital that I otherwise would not have had sure. access to. And so that's my educational background. Um, and so I know that with good access to education, you can change um, what, what you have access to going forward. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. I was running a research group at UCT and trying to transform the faculty because they, <laughs> 10 yeah. years later, there still weren't enough black and colored students coming through into sure. postgrad. Um, and looking back, the, the pipeline was broken much further down um, and decided yeah. now 10 years ago that I needed to to leave um, and go and do something about it. It was more of a calling and less of a decision. I did resist <laughs> as much as I could. Yeah. Um, because I if feel you know, like, can I force you there? I feel like, I feel like that's another podcast <laughs> in itself. That, that yeah. is like just, just the meat that is there. Like what yeah. drove you to that? For you to see all this stuff and then actually mm. be in the work that you are. Sure. I, I, just, I just thought that that was, mm. you know, I would, I would love Definitely. to just sit under, under, under those, just, just your testimony. You know, yeah. what, 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 what the Lord has been doing in, in that. Mm. Um, just, to, just, just that move of yeah. your life here. So just but to anyway, say, God, God doesn't, yeah. God doesn't mess around. Um, <laughs> when she knows not, you no, need to, when, when she knows you need to do something, she makes it happen very quickly. Right. And so within a very short window of time, I went from being an academic researcher to making the decision to, to move out of academia. Like wow. when I say short, a two-week period. Um, Whoa. And 
So, but that's another story, guys. That's not what we're talking about today. Wow. Um, and and since then, I I moved through the warehouse and really got mm. a very good foundational grounding in what it means to do social development work with others, not mm. for others or oh, um, to others. Mm. Um, and so that has informed the way in which we we run outliers. Um, and and since the the outset, looking at at how to equip churches to respond to what young people need. And so not only telling them that you are made in God's image, that you, there's a plan for you, that you can be a leader, but also giving them the tools that they need in order to realize that full potential. And so part of that was setting up um, career guidance for youth leaders to run workshops with their youth on a Friday evening. Um, that was based on scripture and then also um, running an after-school program. So if, if you're dreaming of becoming uh, a doctor, then you kind of need the grades in order to do right. that. And so how do we help young people um, realize their dreams with actual practical tools like maths and English sure. um, to navigate the system? Sure. And so Outliers was birthed out of that need to respond to what young people um, need in order to get the support for education so that they can move through to tertiary ultimately. Um, sure. But not only, yeah. Do you do you work with churches and doing it at actual church property ground, and they allow you to work in partnership with you guys? Is that so? Do you have your own um, facilities as well and doing your own things? Yeah. So, so we started out running one after-school program in a church hall in Mowbray. Um, and, and kids would come there and we would support them with access to tutors and resources um, and training and all the things, um, but quickly realized that others in co other communities were also doing the same thing, but didn't have access to the resources that we had access to. Um, and so we started supporting other after-school programs and we grew from the one after-school program in that church hall to the network of 200 after-school programs sure. at the moment. Brilliant. And so, wow. and, and these, um, these spaces all emerge out of a response from someone in the community to the needs of the young people in their communities. So they see the kids, they see that they, they need support and they do what they can with what they have. And so it goes from a, a, a shack where they open it up in the evenings or the afternoons for the kids to come to a church hall um, where, where there is a building, there's a door, there's the right. people that can help. And so it ranges, it, it really varies across the different communities as to what the physical building looks like. But in essence, it's a safe space where kids can go and then where they can get help with their homework and access to tutoring and other resources. And we build from there. Wow, that's and, phenomenal. And you've also done quite a bit, I think I've seen on your Facebook page, you guys have done quite a bit of training with volunteers to help church, churches or community groups or whoever is doing it. To So not just to get a couple of people who are really excited and keen, but who are clueless, uh, and you can actually help them. How do you do some tutoring? How do you look after kids? You've done quite a bit of that yeah. as well. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, so... So again, um, acknowledging that people are in different spaces, um, some mm. will be um, educators who are right. trying to respond and others would be um, people who have a heart for, for caring for kids and then they, they want to grow that, they, they recognize that the kids need help with their homework mm. and, um, and then they need support and, and we help them with the training to, uh, 
to both set up the space well so that it's sustainable and then to actually equip it with academic support in terms of resourcing and training. Wow. Wow. If, if you're a pastor listening to this stuff, this is, this is, sure. I, I need to, I need to remember this name and follow <laughs> you guys because I've, I've been living under a rock, man. You know, these people are, you know, hooking me up, man. Oh. Listen, the, 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 the church. What's up? What's up? The church is so well placed to respond because mm. um, it, it already has legitimacy as a safe space. Yeah. Children walk into a church building and they know it's safe. You don't have yeah. to create a safe Always space. All this institution, other, especially in black and colored communities, yes, it's trust. a safe space. They walk in, they are, they yeah. trust people there. Mm. Um, and so, and so, the hard work comes in in terms of equipping it for academic support. But but the first half of the journey is creating the safe space, and and churches just need to open the door. So we actually did. Sure. Um, suggest a hashtag campaign called just open the door because <laughs> <So, laughs> wow. it stands open during the week mostly yes, um, yes and that's yes, when the yes, kids yes. need a safe space and yes. just open the door they'll go and once that happens we can then help you figure out how to build that into an academic sure. support program but don't let the the need to convert it into an academic support program limit you oh, from brilliant. opening the door start with nice. opening the yeah. door and then we'll take it from wow. there Brilliant. Wonderful. Now, now, Heidi, lockdown has obviously presented numerous challenges to all sectors, uh, mm. education uh, included. Now, yep. what are some of the, the challenges which lockdown has presented to the schools uh, uh, and communities in which you work particularly? And how have outliers been involved in trying to address some of the challenges there? All right. So, so because we saw the, the lockdown coming, um, mm. Um, observing um, global trends and things, we were able to to really um, pre-lockdown check in with everyone um, of our program coordinators and say, what are you guys doing? What are you planning? Um, how are you going to respond going forward? Um, and and a very clear message from all of them was the concern for these kids once lockdown started. Like, how are we going to continue to support their their learning during mm -hmm. lockdown? Yeah. Um, yeah. The gains that they are making over the, the previous years in terms of helping these kids improve their grades at school, stay at school, progress to the next grade, um, in, in the face of a lockdown, they, they could see those gains slipping away as the kids are no longer engaged in right. learning. Um, and so they were desperate for something that would help them keep the kids engaged. And so we were able to, because we've been doing this for 10 years, very easily um, collect um, worksheets for different grades for English and maths so that we could print it and get it out into communities so that they mm. could get it to the kids so that they could continue to have some engagement in learning during the lockdown period. What the department's failing has been is not a prioritization of um, printed resources to kids. Mm. They have They've spent a lot of energy and capacity on creating e-portals and right. distance learning and setting up these things. And it, it, it comes at a, as a great frustration to me that when your, um, your school body um, comprises 80% of learners who do not have access to e-learning, how do you focus your energies on e-learning? It's yeah. just, yeah. It, it boggles the mind. Um, and so there's been a healthy um, dose of rage. <laughs> Um, yep. mixed in with uh, a touch of uh, hope when when I actually connect with people on the ground who are um, taking up the printed resources and finding ways to get it to kids and 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 helping to support their learning in the midst of the lockdown. Sure. Yeah. 
So I, I, I actually saw, and it was one of the things that really intrigued me is that you, and uh, correct me if I've got some of the details wrong, but it, I, at one point I saw you were saying, you know, if you have a church, if you have a photocopy, if you have a business, if you have what, mm. you have access to a photocopy, we'll send you the PDF. Just do some printing yeah. and get some stuff out. And I just thought it was such a practical example. I, I wish yeah. I had a photocopier or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, just kind of going, uh, trying to, trying to see who, who could we connect with. And, um, yeah. it's just yeah. such a practical way of saying your church is standing sure. open. For instance, you're not using your photocopier. Yeah. You say, what can we do about education? Yeah. There's bigger structural things to, to, to yeah. fulfill, but you know what, you can give up a couple of reams or whatever it costs of paper yeah. out of your budget. If you've got a photocopier, you've probably got the budget. You can do it. Um, and it's just such a simple thing. Just, yeah. and if everyone did that, I mean, how, mm. what, it's not going to solve this long-term stuff, but it is going to really yeah. assist kids in this uh, uh, It's It's an emergency response, yeah. right? It's not a comprehensive yeah. Yeah. Um, caps, blah, blah, blah. It is an emergency response. Right. And so what is the emergency response that is required? It is to keep students engaged in learning so that mm. when lockdown ends, they, they haven't um, lost the muscle to learn, that they, right. they've still been stimulated and, and are keen to learn. Because uh, if you're sitting at home with nothing else to do, everything else that we know um, high-risk um, yeah. communities have to face, the kids have to face, those things are still at play. Mm. And so what's going to yeah. um, limit their exposure to to the other high-risk behaviors is is distracting them with a bit of maths worksheets and, and english worksheets in the hope that they right. that they enjoy it and and, and stay engaged um, and then when they do yeah. go back to school that they can pick it up again and not be left yeah. even further behind than they were yes. before yeah yeah i mean now that you mentioned this i'm just thinking also of the dynamic like the households like what is what is it like within the household is everything is the situation conducive even to to and this is probably where you guys come in and we've got yeah. to go to structural inequality and those things but but also you guys creating a safe space is is home a safe space in many ways for yeah. some of the kids you know it's, it's all of those questions there's there's yeah. so much there so um, so we we know that many of these kids um after school is, is the prime risk taking behavior because of the lack of adult supervision when their parents are working normally um, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and no other adults around in the community to, to look out for them. And so this is where the after school program coordinators come in. They play that role, mm -hmm. that positive caring role, role model who will check in on you, see where you are, what's going on. Um, and that makes such a huge difference yeah. to a child's yeah. um, response. They, they, there's another adult who actually cares about them and asks where they are. Yeah. It, sure. it, it builds their confidence. It builds their self-esteem. It, it makes them feel they belong. And, and then you can teach the child. Yes. Before that, like they, they're busy battling all those other um, demons. And so yeah. um, the, the sure. role of these program coordinators is critical. And so we, as outliers, our main priority is to sustain these program coordinators sure. and so we right. we we are in a very close relationship with them at all times we're checking in on them how they're doing what they're needing because mm. you know when the airplane is crashing you put on your your oxygen mask first and then you mm. look after the children and mm. it's the same kind yeah. of analogy it's like mm. if they are health, healthy and well then they can care for more kids yeah. um, and so that sure. is is broadly speaking what our approach is in ensuring that as many kids as possible have access to a safe space. Well, Sorry, is it, what is you're saying there, okay. yep. What you're saying there for me, um, having worked in, 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 in the Cape Flats church 
youth setting. Mm. Um, what you're saying is so immense that that other parent authority person that they respect, because mm. sometimes the relationships are so broken down between child and parent because of what has been happening within the household mm. that when parents do feel, you know, a sense of uh, responsibility to say to the kids, shouldn't you be doing your homework? Shouldn't you be doing that? Mm. For you guys to follow up and them to hearing Heidi saying this, I need to be honored. Um, I remember just walking in the streets and kids would, who have probably come to youth once or twice would know my name mm. just by my interaction with them. Mm. And if I mm. ask them about certain things, you can see the humility and the, no, I haven't been keeping up with that. No, David, I mm. promise I will do this better. I promise mm. I will do. And, and just that other parent role that mm. facilitates mm. just coming alongside parents is immense. As somebody yeah. who, who knows on the ground what, what implications yeah. just your presence yeah. and you checking up on a child will have. Yeah. Yeah. Kids respond differently to, to parents and to teachers. And so this is yeah. the, the gap that these after school program coordinators fill. Um, and, and parents are grateful. Parents are very grateful that there's another adult who's, mm. who's caring for their child. I mean, I this is what we're about as Christians, right? We, yep. we care for each other. And so. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, you were going to say something? Um, I was actually very similar to what you were going to say. I was going to say, it's almost like, the, the programs about maths and English and that kind of stuff, but mm. almost the real genius of the program is almost actually in the relationships because yeah. what's going to keep the kid in school sometimes, what's going to keep them going, what's going to make them want to keep going, even yeah. when they just can't get this maths. Mm. It's mm. probably not more maths. It's probably, yeah. it's actually probably the relationship with someone. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. They believe in me. They think yeah. I can do it actually. And even if I hate maths, yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to come because I'm going to come because of like the people. And, yeah. and, yes. and, yeah. and then and the long-term benefits actually yeah. means they stay in school and they actually can get some competency in oh, yeah. maths or whatever. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, it's brilliant. So it's that's a good thing you're pointing out is that the, these worksheets, these booklets, once they're in the hands of the program coordinators, it's, it's less about the workbooks and more about the fact that these people yeah. are still showing, uh, able to show that they care about these kids and, and can get them something. And yeah. that just reinforces yeah. the relationship in this yeah. lockdown period where they don't oh, have... Face-to-face -face contact with each other. So, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. That's a good. Point. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Times like these, obviously, there's uh, once again exposed. We're exposed to long-term structural. We've been talking about it, sort of hinting mm. at this long-term structural inequalities which exist in our education system. Mm. Uh, what are some of the some of these long-term structural inequalities uh, which you have seen once again being just exposed uh, mm. at this time? And how has your work with Outliers been yeah, just instrumental in trying to address that as well? Yeah. So, so the, the big um, catch-all phrase is access. Um, the, the structural inequality is access. It's access to transport. It's access to time. It's access to an adult. It's access to a teacher sure. who is not burdened by this excessive responsibility to be both your social worker, your health care provider, your teacher, and yeah. your, your sports coach. Yeah. and teach you some art on the side and you know and so the the burden that we put on teachers in in these poor resource schools is just yeah they are they are having to not only respond to the educational needs of the child but also all the social other social mm. ills that the child presents with the trauma everything else and so these teachers are well overworked and so um, so when we say access, we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about the quality of the resources, we're talking about the mm -hmm. capacity of the teachers, mm -hmm. all those things. Um, and then where outliers comes in, um, we, 
we support other organizations who who advocate for responses to the infrastructural challenges, the absence of pit latrines, the mm. you know the equal education um, organizations, um, and so yeah. and and where we find we can play a, a part is to to actually mobilize resources and training okay. to the people on the ground, um, finding and vetting and ensuring that what we what we put out there is relevant, is user friendly, will be taken up by the learner and the the um, program coordinators. Um, and so we do a lot of, um, I don't want to say filtering, but, but we do pass things through, through our hands to, to make sure that it actually will make a difference. Um, a lot of people have uh, pedagogy and all these big words and, and thoughts and ideas. And, and these things yeah. are great, but they're not accessible. Um, and so, so we're not saying don't do that, but we're saying right. that does not apply to the people we are working with. Um, sure. In in that it, it it's not going to um, change the way in which they approach education until the education department changes how it assesses learners. We will continue to support learning uh, your maths times tables and uh, reading for comprehension, um, mm -hmm. even though we support, even though we feel that the education should be more inclusive and there right. are other things wrong with it, the delivery. But until you are still assessed that way we're going to help kids access support yeah. so that they can progress yeah. to the next grade because we know that the ultimate outcome is you pass matric you, you can move on to a tertiary type um, further uh, education and training and that you then more sustainable and can yeah. look after your family yeah yeah. I, yeah I i think it's really important what you said is that like i think some of us and i i put myself in this category i think i'm more of a thinker kind of like i want to imagine new systems and and there's a value for people like me i think but sometimes we get so <laughs> focused on this kind of these the new yeah. systems and the ideas and stuff that we forget that actually there's a whole generation of kids that are in the system and yeah. they need to go through and as much as Absolutely. possible we we've got to work with what we've got whilst you know we've got to do both we've got to work for change yes. but we also got to work with sure. what we got um yeah. and we and, and i think it's, it's a, such a helpful reminder that that the work of justice is not just it's not a one size fits all uh, yeah. we need we need both we need everything at the same time going on yeah. um and uh yeah i think that's what the COVID 19 lockdown is bringing into very sharp focus is the the lack of access so mm. we we we're concerned about food security we're concerned about health access um my sadness is that the concern for access to education is not a priority on many people's agendas because it's not an imminent threat. You don't, you don't see people dying today of a lack of, of having food on their table. And so um, we perhaps lack a prophetic imagination of how if we respond to the education crisis, yeah. crisis now, that perhaps when the next pandemic rolls in or the next drought or the next water, um, yeah, yeah, drought, exactly. that's what water insecurity is, is <laughs> then, then, then people will be more sustainable and right. they'll be able to, to navigate the pandemic themselves yeah. without needing yeah. us to make them food parcels. Because exactly. also, I have another comment on that. But um, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I've seen your comments. <laughs> Those are good comments. But yeah. Okay, ah, let, let me in, guys. I, I want to be in on this. <laughs> Wait, Because I'm thinking, because as we, as we were talking about, my mind is going like, 
the value of you talk about infrastructure you talk the, the food you know fooding schema i don't know what's the english word john food um, parcels i think schemes oh, feeding schemes oh. at school <laughs> yeah. yeah like like mm. how 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 that has just been helping some kids you know to focus and stay focused at school but mm. now that is taken away as well and you know <laughs> you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs you know kids, yeah, some yeah. kids are just going like i'm not i'm not eating i'm i'm not going to sit in front of you know books even if i have access if mm. if, if you Absolutely. know you guys have come alongside me like how do i even just focus because mm. mommy's looking for something to eat and there's nothing and, and i'm unable yeah. to it all this is just, just that that stuff but now you're adding something else to the mix about food parcels and stuff um, I, i don't know if the two are related but but please 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 just fill me in fill me in <laughs> So food security is is an absolute basic necessity. We have to make sure that our people are able to to mm. eat if they are to to survive, right? Yeah. But um I guess where I would like people to think beyond a food parcel is okay, you've fed someone, but now what? What what is what is the the rest of that person's life going to look like if you are always going to be the one who has to come and feed them what is the what is the more long term sustainable response um and and that is where where outliers is responding in a more uh, long term mm. um way whilst also um partnering with food distribution networks because we see the the critical need for that and so we are not discounting that mm. however my comment that maybe chime is a bit into is um people know how to buy food and cook <laughs> you know so it's sending some money man <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, don't make them food just send them the yeah. ability to buy their own food they they know how yeah. can cook they're um, grown-ups and so many of them and so so i think we well, we have to watch the narrative that we are rescuing people by giving them food yes mm. um, i think that's a dangerous narrative i think it feeds into the empire mm. um narrative of of those who have give to those who don't have mm. um so yeah. Stop yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's 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 i mean that's because i'm thinking um if if we i'm thinking of my own life in terms of how how we how we address some of these some of these issues and sometimes a friend of ours john and i and i said that um we need to listen to the people on the ground mm-hmm. and because we're not listening to the marginalized we're not listening having that voice speak <coughs> as we think about solutions mm-hmm. um and because we don't we don't we're not speaking to them and so we don't it's because we partly don't trust them and so let's just give you this because you don't know what to do with money we we don't yeah. really fully and so part of that narrative is all fed into this and it keeps this you know this dependency it mm. it, it just absolutely facilitates a whole bunch of and you think of the structural implications of that yeah. um it's just enormous it's um, huge because there's there's a generation of of kids growing up now thinking that other people must bring them food sure um and and so what what sure. are we what are we telling them about mm. their parents capacity to feed them yes um yeah yeah i haven't even thought about that i'm just thinking about it yeah. now and it's just like yeah uh we have to watch what what Absolutely. narrative we are building sure. on here um 
Yeah, and and find sure. ways to break that. And so I'm I'm encouraged by um, the respond and uh, mm. uh, the warehouses response to setting up this hope these hope voucher systems yes. where you can um, you can support a 400 rand donation yeah. um, that gets SMSed to someone, yeah. um, and then they can go and redeem it at a spaza shop or um, a bigger uh, shop right um, yeah. as a way of of keeping people in community so you don't have people coming in and out trying to feed each other mm -hmm. um, and then also supporting local businesses like yes. spaza shops um, sure. and and doing it in a very accountable equitable way in identifying people who are most food insecure um, because we know that they, there will be stories of people who take advantage of of the system sadly um, yeah but, but you know, Heidi, I mean, I, and I know you're not saying this, but I think as is worth saying it is like, we always put that on the poor. It's always mm. the poor who are taking advantage of the system. It's like, come on, man, how many white wealthy people are taking advantage of, of the system? Maybe not this system, but other parts yeah. of the system. And yeah. so we yeah. need to say like, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are, what your economic situation is, what the tone of your skin is, there are people who can take advantage of the system. So like, yeah. let's just draw yeah. a line under it and deal with it and stop yeah making that condition for helping those in need because we don't make yeah. it as a condition yeah. when we're dealing with those who are not in physical need but they're also yeah. gaming yeah. the system and, yeah. and so like let's yeah. so i just feel like it's like this we just need to get rid of these false narratives and i know you're not saying that yeah. but um <laughs> yeah. i was just going to say something is it's it's just so interesting that um and you 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 alluded to the structural inequality and giving people food and stuff and i think the the question that has to go further and i think as well which comes to education which comes to food and everything is like why are some communities food insecure and we have to ask that question and why are there certain communities that are uh who who, who have more educational challenges where we we need things like homework clubs and you know and, that, and that's where we start hitting those structural questions and we got to mm -hmm. so we go beyond that we say yes we and i, I love what you're saying we've got to work with what we got now um but the problem is with and i mean food parcels kind of gets a bad rap but and they're they're, they're helpful to a point so let's let's acknowledge that <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know i put on my nice hat but we're gonna kind of go and say but the reality is we gotta ask like why why are we sending food parcels to that school why are we sending food parcels to that community because it's not coming to, to my house food parcels mm. yeah. my kids the kids in my and my kids school are not struggling with that like yeah is that a coincidence? No, we don't believe that. Like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> but really, this is not this is our first time around the block. We don't believe yeah. that, and so we we need to be asking that. So as well, and, and so as well as giving the food passes, as well as getting involved in the education, because um, I know you guys work quite hard on not doing this, but obviously the design, education, and kids are wonderful. I mean, if you want to do like relief work, kids are wonderful because they just look so cute and they look so wonderful and they look great on newsletters. And I know, I'm sorry, I'm just stirring up here. I'm like, I want to see what comes out here. But it's like, and so that can just absolutely feed into our saviorism, into our feel-goodism, uh, into our white saviorism, let's call it what it is, like for those of us on the call who are white, which is me. Um, so, but, but other than that, like let's, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot at me. You guys, as you will. Um, but yeah. We uh, and so it's just it's a thing is that we we, we want to do relief, but we also got to have our we have to have our eye on the bigger picture always. Um, yeah. always uh, and so so it's it's no it's no secret what what is going on in the education system. Um, the the quintile one to three schools are are no fee paying schools. So yeah. 
the parents are too poor to contribute to fees at those schools. And so mm -hmm. government subsidizes. Um, and so you know that the kids who are going to those schools, those parents don't have money to buy data and access the device. These um, structural inequalities play out in these schools. These structural inequalities play out in these schools in a very tangible way. And so these kids are not eating. Their meal for the day is what they get at school. And so um, government shouldn't be proud that they are able to feed kids at school. Kids should not need to eat at school. They should be having parents who can earn money to feed them. Um, so, so too often we, we, we've, um, we've almost become blasé about certain things. And so we're fighting for the feeding schemes to be relaunched. But actually, why do we have feeding schemes in the first place? Exactly, that's it. And so that's what you were, 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 were referring to. Um, so you were talking, can I just interrupt? I'm, I'm just going to be on order here. I'm going to interrupt you. I just like, as you were saying, like, um, why should, we just said, why should government be celebrating the feeding schemes? And uh, let's bring it even closer to home. Let's ask, let's ask, why are churches celebrating the fact that we're having feeding schemes, that we're having to give food parcels? I mean, yes, it's a need, but it, we should be lamenting this fact. We should be lamenting the fact that, that there is even this need. And as churches who are in the communities, who are inter-community, I mean, that's the nature of a church, right? We work, we're inter-community, we're family. So, where's well, okay, anyway. I'm gonna stop now. David, you're not you're you're just supposed to stop no, me, bro. No, 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 no. This is this is this is this is good stuff. Um because it it, it is that is is the structural problems that we that, mm. that we sit with. Um and, and it's unemployment, it's all of this stuff is 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 linked. And if anybody has, has ever had any doubt about the realities of what's going on, uh man, just just you have no idea. It's clear um, focus now. COVID-19 is just revealing what is what, what people are, have been living now. with. Yeah. Like it's 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 just in your face. It's just yeah. it's just there. Yeah. Uh, but now let's 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 move towards the department. Um, so there's a lot of talk about the, you know the Department of Education that is. There's a lot of talk about you know this this phasing return of of of, of your schools opening. Uh, so the Department of Health has laid out a specific. Uh, conditions for the return of schools, including among others, uh, the provision of mobile toilets, uh, basic sanitation, masks, and extra teachers. Um, I have my gripe with, with where these teachers coming from. <laughs> anyway, but you have extra teachers, uh, extra classrooms, uh, a strong emphasis on social distancing. How do you feel about the phase in school approach and the likelihood of these conditions being effective? Um, among the marginalized and vulnerable communities. <laughs> There's a lot there. Hysterical. Um, it's just not feasible. It, it's just not feasible when you when you um, talking about classrooms that are oversubscribed and overcrowded, and you're now saying to those schools, please enforce social distancing. Yeah. When you're referring to schools that have not had um, new teachers join the staffing complement for how many years and now suddenly you're gonna you're, you're finding new teachers like yeah. you said where where are these teachers coming from and you've never found them before how are you going to find them now um yeah. you, you're talking about providing um mobile toilets to schools who have been begging for mobile toilets for the for for like forever children yeah. are dying in pit latrines yes, and, and now 
suddenly you're going to be able to provide these mobile toilets. Listen, if it happens, fantastic. Can they please keep it going forward? Yes. But the likelihood of it happening, the cost implications, the the human resource that is going to be needed in order to make this um, mm. viable in communities where where schools are overcrowded. I don't see how it can happen. Mm. I, I know the schools in, in the southern suburbs who have better access and have um, parent bodies who could support them. Sure. They are scrambling, figuring exactly. out how to make this work. Yeah. How is this going to work in a community school? Yeah. I just... Yeah. So, so I, I mean, it is still a proposal, it's still being debated, but we have to make our voices heard whilst it's a proposal so that mm. if anybody is paying attention, <laughs> they, um, they can see what, what people feel about it and how it's just not feasible. Uh, people have been writing into us, our program coordinator is going, this is, this, how are we going to do this? This is mm. not going to happen. People are panicking because they don't want to have to send the children back knowing that they're going to have to sit in a taxi with other people. Exactly. They, they, they're going to be, they're, they're not going to adhere to social distancing once they're at school because how are they going to do that? Who's providing all the personal protection equipment? Mm -hmm. uh, so my hope is that they, they, they do not advocate for this year to be reopened except for grade 12s and perhaps grade 7s. Sure. Um, and I, I want to acknowledge Bonga Kobani, who is a, a coordinator of one of our programs. Um, he put a podcast out about this very topic about two weeks ago already. And so um, just to say, this is not my idea. This is his idea. Yeah. He's saying, let's focus on the grades that need to progress into the next um, phase of schooling so that they can clear out and then just promote everyone else. The department yeah. does anyway. There's a 30% exactly. requirement yeah. to pass. So just, yeah. just move everyone up. And then yep. we consolidate next year with extra classes, less holidays, and we do all the work that we need. But do not put our kids at risk of sending yeah. them to school, putting our teachers at risk, putting okay. um, people in the essential services at risk. Yeah. Our, the peak is only set to come in August, September yeah. in terms yeah. of positive cases. Uh, yeah. I don't think schools should reopen till after we know what the peak is. Sure. Sure. John, can I ask you, as, yes. as, a, as, a, as a parent yourself, like, yeah. how do you feel about this? So I want to hear your personal, like, <laughs> my I mean, personal I'm, thoughts on having my kids at home. At home or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, because I know these things are... Um, things are breaking up, you know. I mean, me personally, I mean, yeah, I'm I throwing you in to, there, but... Look, yeah, I mean, I want my kids to be safe. I mean, there's a reality, and I want other kids to be safe. And so yeah. I think as, as let, let's get it clear, this is going to be hard on everybody, no matter what decision is made, it's not going to be easy. So I, I'm kind of going, well, let's go for the one that makes the most sense, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's difficult for me because you want to say, oh, there's a part of you. I mean, I think any parents going, what if our kids are left behind and they don't develop and stuff? And I'm like, really? Like they're going to be, they're actually going to be okay. Um, mm. It's so interesting because I was, I was chatting to a friend of mine who was, uh, it was actually, and he's my age, so it was a school in the, in the 80s and talking about the school disruptions, the stairways, the boycotts that were going on there. Mm. And, and I actually never knew this. He's been a friend of mine for like 20 more than that years. And I never knew this about him is that he actually, he said to me, I think he said he never, he never went to school in grade six. Not at all. He said he stayed away the whole year. And at the end of the year, they just promoted him. 
and he's a very successful master's degree holding guy that is that is probably you know way smarter than me and so there's a kind of thing where go, our kids are actually going to be okay the question is who's this really about what is it really about um and i, th- I think that that's that's really the issue is is so as a parent yeah. i mean that would be my my gut feel is like it's going to be hard undoubtedly but the the kids certainly the kids that are in, in resource communities are going to be okay we'll yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. be fine we'll, they'll be fine it'll just be hard i guess this is the the challenge to the church body mm. is um i was thinking that exactly who who do we have to consider when we hear decisions that are being made and too often yes. we, we we personalize it we like how's this going to affect me mm. i've also got two um kids who are learning at home and so our, our house is broken up into different spaces. Everybody's on a different call and it's a piano lesson going on. But like my daughter's having a piano lesson, right? Yeah, That's exactly. such a privilege. So catch yeah. a wake up. What are yeah. you complaining about? Just sit through it or go sit in another room or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so as, as the body of Christ, we have to go, what part of the body is going to struggle the most exactly. with this? And it's not going to be the top 20% of schools. No. We're going to be fine. Our kids have access they can play outside. They have a garden. Yes. They have friends. They can Skype call. They, yes. you know, they, their learning will not stop because they're not in school. Exactly. And we will be able to catch up and make up for any lost time exactly. over the next 10 years. But for the kids who have no learning happening, who have no um, access to any educational stimulation at the moment, that's our main concern. Yeah. Um, and so, so how do we weigh up? when is it safe for those kids to go back to school? Um, and so, so when I advocate for school not reopening, um, it, it's a two-pronged approach. You, if you don't open schools, you have to prioritize getting learning resources to these kids. Right. You cannot say it's yeah. complicated. You cannot wait for a comprehensive mm. blah, blah. You have to do whatever you can to ensure that these kids remain active in terms of their learning. And so yes. I'm yet to see a plan from the education department that responds to the needs of our learners who are without sure. access to e-learning. I'm yet to see anything and I have asked around um, yeah. and nothing has been forthcoming. So I am sure. um, yeah, that's... desperate for that. Yeah. 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 I'm, just, I'm just encouraged by, I mean, you're not saying, you're saying that those, are in, those who are in grade seven and then those who are in grade 12, um, you know, that, that potentially provision be made for them. Um, I've actually not heard that opinion. Um, I've, I've only heard the one where people advocate for no, shut everything down, scrap the curriculum year for the, uh, you know, curriculum for the year. And the other one is where you focus on specific, you know, major subjects mm. or, 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 you know, cores within every subject. And so the curriculum is still open, but you just focus on core things. But again, we're dealing with, 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 structural inequality you're dealing with with people who have schools you have 80 40 60 kids in a classroom mm. the just just how that works and how that's going to be implemented is, is just yeah. it's just crazy it's just mm. it's just crazy so so the curriculum recovery plan does involve condensing the curriculum um right. cutting off all the fat and just keeping down to the to the core mm. but like you you point out the the kids in grade six are not able to read for comprehension as yeah. a grade three learner. Yeah. This is what our analysts tell us every year. Every year. And so, so 
cutting the curriculum for a grade six learner who is not even coping with grades three content. Yeah. It's still not in the best interest of that learner. Mm. Um, and so I, I mean, there needs to be a, an overall, an mm. overhaul of the overall mm. <laughs> um, yep. um, yeah. structural response to education. I mean, I, this, this may be way off topic, so you can shut me down, D, if you want to. But I mean, for me, one I'm of shutting the key you down. Things, I'm sh shutting yeah, you. yeah, you didn't even hear me. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, John. Go ahead. No, no. So, um, so the 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 thing is, is, like, even deciding what is crucial in the curriculum is so interesting. Is that often we're prioritizing maths and science and what's the STEM subjects? I can never remember what they all mm. are, but, and which are important, which are helpful, and are going to get jobs and stuff. But I'm always like, I'm always going. And, and I think about my own journey and going, when we take our things like, uh, like history, we don't know our history. We don't know the reality of, of, of South Africa. That's dangerous. I mean, uh, we, we, we're going to repeat the same mistakes. We're going to be blind. We're going to say things like, can't we just get over it? Because we don't actually realize that is incredible. Like, what are we getting over? No, you don't just get over that, you know? Um, and I'm just thinking even things like art where people are, or music where people are able to express that pain, express the pain of, yeah. of the reality of South Africa. And so, so even then, I mean, my kind of, uh, and that's probably my bent towards that um, is mm. going like, what are we robbing our kids of? So we, we're giving them tools that they, maybe they can be an engineer, they can build a bridge, but what, what, what kind of bridge are they building? What kind of communities? I mean, we know what the danger bridges and roads have done. They're building a bridge know, so, that they can't get over. <laughs> but what, I mean, when we know the danger of the bridges and roads we built in Cape Town have done, and I mean, you might say it's just a bridge, but like, there's no just bridges enough. So, so I just go and I go, well, what are we? What are we, what kind yeah. of people? But, but that is the, the more long term yeah. conversation. Yes, I know. Um, yeah, so I, I just threw it, it in there the because we can't edit it, so you can't. No, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to I want to move towards um, as we think about solutions. So there's mm. so there's, there's there's you guys who are on the ground, Heidi, who are mm. who are doing phenomenal work. And I know there's there's other NGOs, um, equal education, um, and all the other equal education you know type organizations mm. who are doing a lot of work. But then there's this this other body that we've been speaking about, uh, the which I you know would like to call the oldest. Uh, and especially within black and colored communities, the oldest, longest standing, most trusted institution mm. in our communities is the church. Um, what role do you think the church can play in, in addressing some of these, some of the crises that comes with having COVID-19, in particular in the area that we're talking about uh, yeah. in education and, and, and just coming alongside and, and, and facilitating and, and finding a way forward? So I, I think before the church um, decides to play a role, it's, it's, it's critical that they, they see that they have a mandate to do so. Um, I think if you act without feeling like this is something you should be doing, then it, it will be short-lived. Um, and so when it comes to responding to the educational needs of learners in your community, what is your theology for that? Do you even have a theology for that? Do you think that Jesus would have said, go and teach students maths? Because if you don't, then don't, don't, don't do anything sure. just yet. Spend some time thinking through what is my role in ensuring that a young person can be all that God has designed them to be? Um, sure. and, and how do I help them live out their full potential um, and not rob them of, of the ability to be 
mm. fully who they are designed to be, right? So that's the first thing is like, sit with that, figure it out that it is something you should be doing. And yeah. I'll give you a spoiler alert. The answer is yes, <laughs> you should be doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, can, we can do a sermon on it at another time. Um, speaking about love language. Yeah. And then, um, and then ask yourselves, what have we done before? The, what is the precedent that the church has set in responding to the needs of young people? Because churches are doing things. There are churches all over the country doing things to support young people. So it's not, you're not coming up with something new. So look around you. Um, education was a big part of the church in, in colonizing South yes. Africa. So at least as a colonizer, mm. you should know that education is important. Mm. <laughs> That's, That's a local service. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. oh. and then how do we act now that we know that we should do something? And we see that others are doing it and they've modeled it for us. And it's actually not very complicated. Um, what are we going to do? What, are we, what have we got in our basket that is our church, local church body? We've got a building. We've got a, a, a tent structure. We've got some formal space that, that is a safe space. We've got people who care for other people. Wow. What a bonus like so you've got that already and then now what can you do with that right. um, and then just do the thing we've yeah. got the resources that we would support you in getting it to the kids we will guide you we will do all the other work for you but you need to i think you need to take those first three steps mm. make that decision and then we can walk mm. we can walk with you in the I absence of that if you have a printer just make it available to us <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, what you're saying is so important because I, I know in one sense, you know, when we think that when we think and, and, and sometimes I feel like sometimes this, this talk of church priority distracts us from, you know, where the Bible is not even having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of the, the Great Commission, uh, uh, Matthew 28, Jesus comes, the first thing he says is, um, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. Uh, and so we, and there's so much there that is, that doesn't say evangelism. Yeah. From there, we move towards discipleship. What is discipleship? And then we move from there and he says, go and teach them everything I've mm. commanded you. And, and, and it's not there, go and teach them, you know, you know, Doctrine, bro. Doctrine. To also evangel- evangelize as yeah, once you evangelize, then go and teach them to evangelize. Hmm. No, it's 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 like and then the next of it is like I will be with you throughout the stuff, meaning like it's it's life. It's and I understand it's not an event, it's not a it's not a program, it's not a strictly one, you know, we need yeah. to evangelize. It's life. This is your yeah. life. And you need yeah. to understand that everything you do in discipleship comes from First, acknowledging, am I God? Do you want to worship me? Do you want to submit to me? And then, do you know what kind of God I am? I'm the God of all things. And like all of that stuff, there's so much meat there. But as you say, but our theology doesn't start. Then it's often because our theology has been colonized. Um, And so when you you think about what is priority, if you uh, are privileged and you don't see all this other stuff, is of course you're going to read in Matthew 28, evangelism. What else is there? It's yeah. just evangelism because people's souls need to 
you know, I'll be with you through the end of the age. You read that. Our bodies are fine right now. End of the age. Just, yes, yes. You read that only as end of the age. Focus on the end of the age. Yeah, Yeah, the end of the age. That's the focus. It's like, no, until. There's an until. Mm. It's not arrived Mm. yet. Can we do stuff until? Anyway. And and that's where these um, program coordinators are real pockets of hope across the city. Where where they are living out the Great Commission. They are walking Mm. the journey with these kids. Um, and it's not only educational support in the after school programs. They, as I said earlier, they are the in loco parentis of these children and yeah. they, they know how they're doing. They know what's going on with them. They are caring for them beyond their educational needs. Um, mm. And so, so they, they give us hope. They, we know that, mm. that there are people out there who get it and are, are living it out. Yeah. Um, I love, I love that idea, and it's just always, I, and I probably said this before on the podcast, I can't keep track, but uh, but just coming to the, just that idea of like in 1 Peter 3 verse 16 says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I'm like, what is it that's generating that hope? I mean, I, I hate to break it to all my brothers and sisters who've been to Bible college, but it's probably not your sermons. It's probably not your great theology. It's loving people. It's getting yeah. involved. You know, yeah. that kid, that kid who's maybe coming from a really difficult home, who doesn't even have his first parents maybe aren't even caring for him. Or they are, but they're just they're just so busy and he's hungry yeah. and you have find people who care for him and love him. And even in the lockdown are trying to care for them and look mm. even yeah. in tough tough situations, they're gonna say, Why why are you doing this? Like I don't mm. understand. Why yeah. why would you do that? Because other people don't. Mm. Well, yeah, you think I'm fantastic? Actually, I'm not that fantastic. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's really, I mean, isn't that, like, that's 1 Peter 3, 15. We just need to, like, get away from it. So I just, and um, I when, when you were talking about the coordinators, I was just like, yeah, isn't, that's yeah. that's part of that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think the reason why churches struggle at the moment, Heidi, is because we haven't opened our doors. Yeah. Whew. Absolutely. And, and so, we, and so we're struggling door. to connect because we haven't opened the door in the first place. We haven't allowed ourselves, you know, because what we say is like, no, when you open the window, let alone the door, you're going to have all the hochachis coming in. You're going to have all the bugs and all. We don't want that. Mm. Uh, and so also what we're going to do, we're going to focus only on our kids. Mm. Yes. And so sometimes that loses the witness uh, mm. within the broader community. And people, listen, people know when you when you become you know your little huddle huddle your mm-hmm. little hub hub the community knows yeah I, I i i know that when i walk in the street in the Aussies river everybody people i've never met before aunties will call me from the stoop that i've never even but i've never been to your house like no but you are anna's child it's like mm-hmm. yeah but how, yeah. how and so everybody knows it, yeah. it, it's like if your church is too internal looking like us yeah. and us focus it, it, it spills over and um, and I do think there's and, I, and I'm saying this because there is room for loving one another and sure. by that all men will be drawn yeah. but I think as, yeah. as we do that the people will you know become attracted but if we say no we're only going to focus on us then yeah. then those whom we have drawn when Jesus said love thy neighbor he did not specify yeah. what they should look like what they should believe how they should behave well, there's no well, no disclaimer he, he, <laughs> he well, the, pro- the problem actually is it's actually worse than that because he did specify it's your worst enemy the person you want dead the person <laughs> you hate most in the world the samaritan that's who your neighbor is and then everyone inside of that so yeah 
So who's yeah. so the question is not who's included; it's actually who's excluded. If even the Samaritans are in, and like, yeah, yeah, I don't. That's not me. <laughs> oh man, it, it starts with our theology. We need to get our theology right. Mm. We really, really need to get our theology right. It's it's. Oh. Mm. I mean, there, there's the there's there's so many church traditions, but then you have the spiritual response, the over spiritual response, mm -hmm. where we need to pray away Corona. We need to fast our kids through this period. And our kids are like, but I'm hungry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joining you in this fast. You, you need. We need to step up and and really come to the, the table. John, do you have any final words? Um. Well, I I don't know if you can say, it, but I just I would love to. And I don't know if you're gonna ask this question, but Heidi, I just like I want I'd love for to hear from you. How can anyone who's listening? How can they support the work of Outliers? How can they get behind it? Um, because I'd really like to hear it. I think it's such a practical, such a brilliant response to educational needs in the community. And like if you, and I love what Heidi said in the beginning, if you go to church building, if you go to room, if you go to shack, it doesn't matter. You can, you can open that space up. It's, it's, it's actually more of a spirituality than it is a, a space issue. Like, are you willing to open the doors as David said? And so I, I'm hoping that some people are being stirred. Some people are being excited say, yeah, maybe we could. What could they do to support your work or get in touch with you or anything like that? Um, thanks, John. Um, so drop me an email, info at outliers.org.za. Um, my um, inbox is flooded at the moment um, Good. with responses, which is fantastic. Um, we are an NGO. We rely on funding for, um, from individuals uh, because we look after the lower 80% of the sector. Um, it's not an attractive funding proposal to um, bigger yep. funders. And so we do rely heavily on individual donations. Um, so sure. if you can spare 200, 500, 1,000 Rand, um, you'll find our, our banking details on our website. And then um, if you have capacity, do something. Just We've given you all the tips and tools <laughs> to get involved. Collect stationary print resources. Um, open the door yeah you like there's it. really no room for i want to help what can i do um right. uh i i must confess i'm i'm beginning to become impatient with mm. with posts on facebook where someone says i want to help what can i do i'm like google's your friend find something just do it don't yeah. tell everybody you're wanting to do it um you know exactly. doing secret don't yeah. take pictures just get oh. it there's a podcast yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to say yeah. is that we will put all the details below this podcast yep. on the website on yep. SoundCloud wherever you're listening we'll put all outliers details there get in touch with them thanks guys cool. really yep. appreciate oh, it and give money give money yeah we, in case you didn't hear that they yeah. need give money they're doing good work people yeah thanks we, thank we, you for um, being with us just to say our target, we have 15,000 learners in our network. Sure. Um, and, and because of our distributions through the Cape Town Together Community Action mm. Networks, um, that number is growing because we are meeting more and more people who, who are needing support. Um, mm. And so if 15,000 is our target, um, we've managed to distribute two and a half thousand packs sure. in the last three weeks. Um, and that has been ramped up now as we connect through different distribution channels. And so mm. we really need help with 
buying stationery, printing the booklets, and then distributing it. So if you can help out in any of those ways, drop me an email. Brilliant. Thanks, sure, guys. Sure. Thank you for being with us, um, Heidi. Uh, guys, everyone listening, please check out, uh, get involved and support the vital uh, after-school program work done by Outliers. Uh, you can follow Yella Mensa on Twitter or Iskombano on, on Facebook. Get involved in the discussion. Uh, give us your comments. Give us your feedback. Uh, if you found this helpful, please share share this 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 link. Uh, share this podcast. Uh, you can like it. Give us your ratings, your comments, um, guys. This audio was produced by Exilic. Uh, you can find them Exilic Music uh, at www.exilic.co.za. I'm David Kluter, your man, signing out. And I'm John saying John. we have work to do. Yes, <laughs> as always. And guys, please, pass your land. Lay back. And be safe, people. Thanks for being with us.